Facebook's new app, Peloton Goes Public, and a few ways to make better decisions every single day. Welcome to Working Girl Talk. Welcome back to Working Girl Talk. There's been a lot of awesome stuff this week, so I'm going to dive right into the stories and then we'll head into our Working Girl topic. You ready to make better decisions? I sure am. So let's start off with our news. So TechCrunch announced this week that something new is brewing at Facebook, and it has something to do with that close friends feature on Instagram. Facebook is developing a new messaging app called Threads that's meant to promote constant intimate sharing between users and their closest friends. The Verge reported this week. Threads, which is designed for sharing with your close friends on Instagram, as I said, is now being tested with employees at Facebook. The app invites users to share automatically their location, speed, battery life, along with more typical text, photos, videos, using all of Instagram's creative tools, aka Snapchat, or at least that's what people are saying it sounds like. Instagram declined to comment on to The Verge when they reached out, but they did obtain some screenshots. What they saw is that this is all about sharing content with your friends. It's just another messaging app. And uh, The Verge pointed out a good point that this is coming after Facebook's move to pivot more toward privacy. So that would make sense that they kind of want a private app for people. And after they've had like unsuccessful standalone messaging apps as well, they tried to do that for Instagram. And then we all know that there's like the Facebook messaging app that's like separate from the Facebook app. So they're really trying hard to get this thing going. So I have a few questions about this. One, if this comes to public, will it survive? Because as we know, as I said, the Instagram standalone messaging app didn't survive, or I don't even know if it made it to the public. And then also Facebook's standalone messaging app tied to the Facebook side of things. It's not that successful. I mean, people, I think they only use it because you have to, like it takes you there, but I don't think it's like a Snapchat or like its own platform, as you would say, or what the, what they tried to make it. Question number two for me is with, with all the stuff going on with Instagram and the algorithms and hiding likes and engagements getting cut and all of these things, especially if you saw my story this week on Instagram, you probably, you know what I'm talking about. My question is, is Facebook trying to get rid of influencer power? Hear me out on this. With the push toward more of these private groups in all of these smaller groups, close friends option on Instagram, a smaller private um, option, getting rid of likes. Are they trying to get rid of influencer power or at least make sure they're getting a cut of it? That's just where my mind goes, which I was thinking too, I should probably just do a whole like episode on like Instagram algorithm and influencers and the taking away likes and all the conspiracy theories. So let me know if you want that. Cause I feel like I needs to happen sometime soon, but that was a thing that I thought of because basically this whole article was talking about how they're really into that close friends feature, which is why I'm sure that you've seen that your story views on Instagram have probably gone up or at least stay the same, like haven't been affected like other content has on the platform. So with Facebook trying to make this push toward more privacy, it makes me wonder if they really just want it to be separate messaging and that's all they want from it and that's what they're moving towards. So just a few things to think about. I'm honestly like the sound of this 
I don't think I need it. Like I don't even use Snapchat. So, and it sounds exactly like Snapchat, which is what why I said other people are saying that, but we'll see if it takes off and what happens with it when it does. But I thought that was pretty interesting, especially in this age of Facebook being so unreliable when it do, does come to privacy that this is kind of their answer to combat that. Next story, Peloton, the Instagrammable stationary bike that has exploded in the past few years has filed to go public. Peloton was founded in 2012 and it raised about $550 million in venture capital funding last year at a valuation of $4.15 billion. The startup, which actually struggled early on greatly to convince um, venture capitalists and investors of its vision, um, has since inspired a lot of new other fitness tech companies after they've taken off. So that struggle in the beginning, it was kind of like, like, it's just a stationary bike. Like, why is this fitness tech? But actually, Peloton has some really unique features that can attest to all of these numbers, like why it's been so successful. Like the really smart element of their business model is the subscription element, because you, yes, you get the bike, but the bike also like the reason why it's a cool bike is that it has like the TV screen where you take classes, but it is a subscription service to have access to the classes. So you're still getting money even after that initial purchase, which is a really smart model. So Peloton plans to raise $500 million in its NASDAQ offering and will trade under the ticker symbol PTON. And the company has reached 1.4 million total community members at this point. So their network is huge. And this is just one of the many companies I feel like I'm kind of always talking about another um, new age tech company going public. So this is just one of the many companies this year that has done so. Uh, There's definitely pros and cons to going to public. I think it's cool to see all these tech companies. This is kind of like the new era of going public. Um, So I guess we'll see like within a year or two how this goes, but it makes sense just a part of like business evolution, I would say that there are more tech companies coming around and that's like what this age is all about. So it makes sense that more tech companies are actually going public too, because that side of the world, the business landscape, whatever you want to call it, needs to get modernized too. So it makes, it makes sense. And last story, if you're flying Virgin Australia anytime soon, don't bring your MacBook. Backstory, back in June, Apple announced a recall on MacBooks between September 2015 and February 2017 over concern of the battery, which quote unquote, may pose a fire safety risk, which this is crazy. I actually didn't hear too much about this. So I was like, oh, glad my Mac's not from 2015 to 2017. But the FA, after this was announced back in June, the FAA soon after reminded airlines not to carry those laptops with defective batteries on board. But now some airlines are banning Apple laptops, whether they've got the bad battery or not, as reported by Bloomberg this week. Virgin Australia isn't taking any chances. It's banning every single MacBook from being carried in checked baggage. In a notice from its Dangerous Goods page, the company doesn't differentiate by shape, screen size, or year it was made. All Apple MacBooks can only be brought in carry-on baggage. So at least you can take it in your carry-on. But yeah, none, none, no matter the year, can go in your checked baggage. Another airline is taking it even a step further. If you're flying Qantas Airways with with a 15 inch MacBook Pro, not only is the carrier banning every single 15 inch MacBook Pro from checked baggage, it won't even let you use them in flight. 
So they're just taking that a step further. They don't want any safety risks there. I wonder how long this will last, I guess, because banning all of them, that's a, like that's a lot, especially the ones that don't even have the defective battery. Um, but Apple does say it will replace your battery for free if you have a MacBook that's affected or falls within that year. So I would check that out if you do. But I guess that wouldn't even matter if you're flying Qantas Airways because they won't even let you use it at all. So we'll see there. But um, I feel like this is a little bit of a trend. We've seen this a few other times with like, I think it was the Samsung, the Samsung phone that kept like bursting into flames. So, um, which is really scary if you're on an airplane. So I definitely see the risks involved, but also hopefully they can find a solution. So not everyone has to be banned from their MacBook on airplanes. So we'll see what happens there. And those are our news stories for the week. Now let's head into our working girl topic this week. So we deal with decisions every single day at work, at home, choices and decisions are everywhere, but it's not always easy to come up with an answer, whether it's out of fear of offending someone or a lack of confidence. Most tough, I would say most tough decisions do stem out of fear of making the wrong choice. Since decision-making is a part of the working world, I'm sharing a few ways to help you with your decision-making on this lovely Friday. So let's start with tip number one, cut out the options you don't know or cut out the options you know won't work for you. It's easier to make a choice when fewer options are on the table. So I would cut out all the ones that you know for sure. It's kind of like back um, when you're taking tests in, in elementary school, those multiple choice answers, crossing out the two that didn't make sense at all. So I, that is a great place to start because the more limited your options are, the easier it will be. If you have too many choices in front of you, it becomes crippling and you won't be able to make a choice at all. It's just, it's too much, it's too overwhelming. So cut out the options that you know won't be a good fit. Two, as simple as it is, a pros and cons list can go a long way. So a fancier name, a cost benefit analysis, if you wanna get a little fancier, (laughs) but basically just listing out pros of the decision that you wanna make, cons of that, you can even do it for both sides too. I will say a word of warning here. It's really easy to get lost in these. I think it's a good roadmap to kind of get you started, get the ideas flowing, but don't get too pigeonholed in this because I think you can do a pros and cons list forever. Like you can start thinking of a million pros, 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 and then list all the cons and it kind of can get overwhelming. So if you feel that happening, maybe take a step away and then look back at it in a few minutes to see if anything jumps out. Like, oh, that's a serious pro. Like it's worth doing it then. But it is very helpful to kind of get a better view of what the impact your decision will have. So it's a good place to kind of start getting the gears turning. Tip number three, is there any data to back up your choice? I think this is one that we overlook sometimes too, that we just kind of, oh, I want to make a decision, but it's okay to do some research. So especially if it's a decision at work that's going to affect maybe employees around you, maybe there's a stat that proves that, oh, working, like say it's about working remote. Maybe there's statistics about working remote and away from the office office is actually beneficial for employees. And then you have more of a case to decide that that's a good decision to make for everyone. So I think analyzing other data, seeing what's out there, um, especially on the research and numbers side is a good place to kind of back up your decision as well as inform you to make it in the first place. And tip number four 
it's okay to get an opinion. Ask someone that you respect, maybe somebody that's done it before, reach out to somebody even on LinkedIn. If it's like in a professional setting or someone you know offline that maybe has dealt with this decision before, if it's a work one or even a personal one or a career related one, mentorship mentorship is huge. Like don't be afraid to connect with people, network with people and get out of your circle or even people within your circle to get opinion on decisions. A warning with this one, at the end of the day, it is up to you, whatever decision choice you make. So I wouldn't get too pigeonholed by what other people think, but if you're really struggling and you have someone that you really value the opinion of, I think it's great to ask for their opinion on it if you are able to do so, if it's not like a confidentiality thing, but making sure that you're not being so dependent on the opinion of others too. So it's a little bit of a fine line to balance there. Um, There's nothing wrong with getting opinions or input from others, especially if you respect them, but you don't want to get too reliant on that because then you take away your own decision-making and all of this just goes out the window. So you don't want to do that. (laughs) And tip number five. So this one's going to be a long one, but I think it's super important. It's crazy cool. And I feel like not enough people talk about it. About a year ago, I was listening to the Tim Ferriss show. Uh, if you don't listen to his podcast, you should definitely check it out. He has awesome stuff. He's like has super inspirational stuff and talks to a lot of high performers on his podcast. But I was listening to his show, specifically an episode about overcoming stress and anxiety. He mentioned that he once gave a TED talk about a principle that I had never heard before called fear setting. And then he cruised on, continued with the podcast, giving his tips and stuff. But that notion of fear setting really stuck out to me. Like, oh, what is that? I need to learn more. So I watched the TED talk and it really just like changed my like whole way of thinking. So he went on to explain that fear setting is his decision-making tool that he uses all the time that he developed and that basically it talks about the outcome, it like helps you to find the outcomes and actions that you can control and that you can't control and how to take them back into control if you can't. And so basically it's like the opposite of goal setting. So just to kind of explain it a little more, it's an activity where you define all the possible outcomes of a choice or an event, what the downside would be if you didn't act and you are able to just get a clear way of thinking, like map out every bad thing that could possibly happen. But like, it's just an easier way to make decisions. So I'm going to walk through it. He basically, he tells you to like get a piece of paper, something to write on. It could be a computer, but I like a piece of paper personally, piece of paper. And at the top, what if I question mark, and then you divide it into three columns. So column one is define, column two is prevent, column three is repair. So the top says, what if I, and then one column define, prevent, repair. So in that first define column, that's where you define all your fears. So if you have a fear, the example I think he used was if he went to, like took his first vacation in a few years because he's a busy guy, like what if he goes to London and gets depressed? So like that was the thing he used, but this could be anything work-related, career-related. Like what if I take this job and I hate it? What if I fire this employee? Or what if I don't start a podcast? Or what if I start a podcast and it fails? Anything that you can think of. What if I talk to my boss to ask for a raise and I don't get one? And so anything that you're afraid of and why in that first column. So define what that is. Column two is talking about preventing those items in column one. So that's the prevent column. So what could I do to prevent column one from happening? So that's where you kind of start to form these decisions of like, okay, what could I do to prevent that? 
column three repair is if the worst happens, so say the worst possible scenario happens, how can I repair the damage after or who can I ask for help? So it's just a good way to kind of get in that mindset of here's what the worst thing, here's the worst thing that could happen. Is there a way to get out of it? Which most of the time I'm sure there is, which really helps you get confidence in your decision-making because at the end of the day, like I said, I really think fear is what holds us back from making decisions in the first place, especially making good decisions too, because we're so afraid of what will happen. And the second page of the activity is what might the benefits be of success? So say you go and ask for that promotion and your boss says, yes, you get it. So like, so kind of defining what would success look like if I made this choice. So whether that's like half success, the full success of it. So any success that could happen from it. Page three in this activity is the cost of inaction. So that's what you're defining here. So if you didn't take any action at all and individually, like emotionally, physically, financially, like, so what might go wrong? And he specifically has it laid out by six months, one year, three years. So this is all the bad things that could happen from not taking action at all. So not going up to your boss and asking for that promotion six months, one year, three years, physically, emotionally, mentally, financially. So all these things. So just having this mindset, I tried it. I had like a former client that I got really stressed about meetings before. So I did this activity, like what happens if I like blow the meeting basically and kind of like walked through those steps. And it was really easy to see like, oh, like my, which that one wasn't more, like it wasn't so much a choice as like something that I was just afraid of. Um, But you can kind of do it for both too. If you do have an anxiety surrounding something, it's a good tool for that as well. It's a really a lot easier to see what the worst that could happen with each decision you make. So you know exactly what you're getting into. So say the worst does happen, you know that you already have a plan to prevent it from that repair column, that column number three, where you talk about like where you kind of already mapped out, how do I repair it? Who can I get me to get to help me repair it? So you're kind of already ready. And most of the time, the worst case scenario doesn't even happen anyway. So it kind of gets you out of that mindset. Like, Hey, I'm prepared because the more prepared you are, the more prepared you are, like the more prepared you are for good and bad. So I just really love this exercise and it's super helpful, especially in any decision-making, especially personal ones too. Like whether you should make that career move or ask for that promotion or start a new job, quit your job, all of those things that are so personal to you, but really hard decisions to make. And sometimes you can't ask somebody for help on those. You just can't. So this fear setting has really helped me conquer those fears of making choices. So I hope it helps you. I would definitely check out Tim Ferriss's TED talk. Just Google fear setting Tim Ferriss and it should pop up, but it has been super helpful to me. And if you try it, please let me know. I want to know. I am so obsessed with this now. I think it's a really cool activity and super helpful. And last but not least, Tip number six, make every big choice you make, kind of a play on words there, a learning opportunity. Turn all your choices into learning opportunities. Like I said earlier, fear is the biggest holdup of why people can't make decisions properly. So say you do all of this, everything I said, and after it's all said and done, your choice still wasn't the right one. That's okay. Learn from it. Reflect on it. Take notes. What went wrong? They can help you in your future decision-making too. I think really using your failure to empower you and to empower you for your next decision making or choice making 
instead of crippling you is just way more beneficial and helpful for you and just makes life a lot easier. So make sure you learn from it and don't let that prevent you from being the decision maker or the leader in the future. Like, oh, I never make good decisions or like, oh, I never know what to do in these situations. Like, don't let that be you. Any learning experience you can have while making decisions is a great one. So whether that's good or bad. So just take everything and use it to make better decisions in the future too. So don't forget that learning element as well. So those are my top six decision-making tips for this episode. We'll be getting deeper into this topic with our upcoming guests. Um, Last thing on this, I'm currently reading Carly Fiorina's book called Tough Choices. As the former CEO of HP, she's had to make a lot of tough choices in her time. And that's what the book's all about. So it kind of actually goes perfectly in tandem with this episode. So check that out if you're looking for more inspo on people making tough choices, especially in the business world. And before we go, my Friday favorite, so it's a fashion one this week. So we have, as my Friday favorite, belt bags, or in other words, fanny packs, <laughs> because they're coming back and it's very helpful and like they're really cute now. So fanny packs in the past, like I know, just keep, keep, stay with me on this. Fanny packs in the past were more like canvas, not that fashionable. Like it was fine. And like, there's still some around that are like that, like they're fine. But the trend of belt bags has really taken off and it's like the new and improved fanny pack and they're so cute most of the time they're like leather with a fun design and they just go around your belt obviously um or you can like put them up a little higher like tie it around your waist and I am going to Disneyland soon and basically I need that belt bag so I can have both hands holding churros (laughs) but so I'm pretty excited that this trend is back. I feel like it's a lot easier, especially maybe like, like you just need a fashion statement, you're going to a festival, whatever it is, a belt bag should be in your future sometime soon. So I'm here's a, here's a few places where you can get cute ones. So Steve Madden has cute ones, Amazon for really cheap, The Lifestyled Co, Dillard's, and Dressed in Lala. They all have good ones. Check them out, type in belt bag, see what comes up and tell me what you think. If you're into this like new and improved fanny pack trend or you're like I'm so over this but I think it's fun and I love being hands free (laughs) so that is it for working girl talk today and remember if you haven't left a review yet I would love to hear from you if you leave a review or tell your friends to leave a review or share the episode or share the podcast with them that just gets it shared to more people more working girls out there which I love and I just want this to be helpful for all of you so with that said have a great rest of your day I will talk to you next week 